I'm wondering if you could like very formally introduce yourself and your position. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it would sound like, my name is Annika. I'm communications intern with TDEP Sustainability. I'm an engineering major. Yeah. So, hi, my name is Ursula Valdez and I'm a faculty, a teaching faculty at the University of Washington, Bothell, uh, where I am in the interdisciplinary arts and science program. And I teach uh, topics on ecology, conservation, and sustainability. Welcome to UW Sustainability's In Our Nature podcast. I'm Damon Eklund, Communications Coordinator for UW Sustainability. In this episode, Annika Prom talks to UW Bothell faculty member Ursula Valdez. Ursula received the 2020 Husky Green Award, which are given to people across the University of Washington who show leadership, dedication, and initiative in sustainability. At UW Bothell, she has created a Sustainability on a Student Budget course to teach students how to embrace affordable, sustainable practices in their everyday life, and she works to promote conservation and sustainability in a variety of ways on and off campus. Here's the conversation with Annika and Ursula on her background, career, and the importance of sustainability education. Today, I'm talking to you to recognize you for being Husky Green Awards recipient. Thank you. And I just want to learn a little more about your work in sustainability as an individual, um, what you do, what inspires you, why you love it, why it's important. Right, right. Yeah, so, you know, I've been actually thinking a lot about recently about some more of these things associated to, um, to the work I do. Because at some point, some of the some of the a lot of the things actually come naturally. I think because I was uh, I was raised in an environment in which we, since we were kids, we appreciate nature a lot, and I think it has to do not only with uh, places where my grandparents and my parents live, but also just that you know that culture of like respect and appreciation of nature, and uh, and then curiosity, and that's something very important is like being curious about nature. Um, just always wondering, you know, why these flowers are this shape and how is that the insects fly that way or where are they doing their nest? Or if a bird sings, it's like, well, yes, that sounds different than another bird, you know, all those little things that are greatest stimulus for an individual to discover the world around you. And, uh, and I was very fortunate because my parents instilled in us that and then my family and then you know I just had opportunities that it would always lead me to like camping or with family and just going places and discover so I think that is a very important beginning for my path is just having that environment that um, promoted the, the, the culture right the, the the respect for nature and curiosity and then obviously uh, that led me into a career in biology I was always very curious about nature how things work like the patterns that we'll see and and I got a degree in biology that was in Peru. I'm originally from Peru, I was born in Peru. And, uh, and I worked there in different um, capacities. As, you know, I did a very early, um, I had a very early introduction to field biology and that definitely changed my life. I was very fortunate to go to uh, places in the middle of the Amazon as my first field job uh, and field experience. So, going to wild places with very little disturbance from human activities. I mean, especially, you know, develop, development, human development. That was very um, inspirational to find in those places in which you feel a lot of ecosystems that are intact, 
wildlife that is abundant, lush vegetation, and the peace, the peace and that kind of a nourishment that nature can bring, right? And besides, obviously, all the wonderful different things that I could learn. I mean, at some point, like being there in, in the middle of the Amazon, when you're like early 20, it's just overwhelming in terms of a stimulus. You know, there's so much noises and smells and, and activity and colors and shapes and textures. Everything that is just your curiosity gets just overstimulated. And, and I think that's having that opportunity for discovering it and then having good mentors. Having mentors who will not only give you those opportunities and it's starting from, you know, from my grandmother who I learned my first words from, you know, and uh, I learned to recognize some insects with in my dad who will teach me things about plants and insects and stuff. So those are, you know, family mentors, but I also have like really great women mentors and start in, in, in my field and having uh, women who will be always pushing, you know, that, that instigation to like, okay, find out, find something that you are curious about and you're passionate about it. And, and I have several of them, like, you know, people who turned into my, my advisors in grad school, people who gave me um, uh, field jobs, and then friends, and particular one friend who inspired me a lot in terms of to, like, you know, the more that you learn, the more responsibility that you have and to protect um, this ecosystem. So that's how I started that with, you know, family inspirations, grandmother, parents, opportunities, education, and then mentors in places. And it started in Peru, but then I've been fortunate to uh, go to different places and work in other places in the rainforest and Central America, working with birds, which has been my passion and a lot of things that have inspired me to discover more. It's been birds and birds of prey who have taken me many places in the world. And then these people who I interacted with. So, yeah, and finally, you know, I ended up in the Pacific Northwest and just living here in a place which so much richness too, right? So a lot of nature and just landscapes and wildlife and culture, very important inspirational culture, both in Peru from the Incas time, you know, the original countries, I mean, culture in Peru, the Incas had a very strong connection with the environment. And here too, the Native Americans, several of the nations and tribes in, uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest, they have like really, really strong connection with nature. So just, I think all of that embodies my, my inspiration and my, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of your inspiration came from your childhood and your family, just nurturing your love for being outdoors and doing all the greenery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if there's, a certain memory or event from your childhood that made you know biology is what you want to pursue? Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, my grandparents were from, I mean, on my, on my dad's side, my grandparents on my mom's side were much more in the city. But um, my grandparents on my dad's side, they live in a small town near the, in a valley um, that is part of the Amazon Basin in Peru. And, um, and as much as, you know, we'll go to the ocean where my other grandparents live and, you know, we could go from the ocean to the mountains and to the Amazon. But the Amazon, this place is called Quillabamba. It's a small town and um, not anymore small, but it used to be a small in the Amazon of, uh, in the southeast of Peru and in Cusco. 
it had a lot of opportunities for me to be in really close contact with nature. And my grandmother was a naturalist. She was a highly educated woman. In many cases, a lot of things that she learned by, her, by herself. And then she passed that to her kids. This connection with nature. So she um, it's the one who helped me identify my first bird, which is a, you know, a, gray, a blue and gray tanager. And, you know, and she will call them azulejos, which means like kind of bluish bird. And, um, and then also another of my nice memories are when I work here at night, uh, an owl, which is a tropical screech owl. And, and there's an onomatopoeic sound for that. It sounds like And that noise, even that sometimes, you know, people will be afraid of them. I was so curious. I always wanted to see it. And, and just times in which, you know, we'll sit and uh, go into, she, she was living in the city, but there was a lot of nature around. And, and my grandparents have an orchard in the back of the house. And we'll go on adventures there, explorations, and we'll do insect collections, and we'll do, you know, little herbarium uh, for each of us, and just collecting and looking and that. And those, I think, were very inspirational. And I, that, just give me so much I, I mean I was so curious about everything and I always wanted to explore I always wanted to go somewhere and look at things so I early on I knew since I was a kid I, that I wanted to be a biologist and I wanted to just look at na natural systems and organisms yeah and so what brought you over to Seattle uh, well, it was grad school. So I got my degree in Peru, and then I got a master's degree in, um, in North Carolina State. And then I did some jobs in the tropics, back in the tropics. But I had a feeling that I needed to learn more, and I wanted to do more research. So I started looking for uh, PhD programs. And also in part, of it, it's kind of an anecdotal um, but very important too is that I, I, I already had a master and was working in a project in Central America. And I was many times challenged by male colleagues because I didn't have a PhD, you know? And they were like, oh yeah, talk to me when, you know, yeah, those are good ideas. But once you get, you know, if you ever get a PhD, talk to me. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> and I say, you know, why not? I mean, I'm, I can, I'm capable. I just need to do it. So I started working and looking at programs, and I had uh, some really great connections with some people who were potential advisors, and I have a very strong connection with with um, a woman who ended up being my advisor in, in a couple of programs, and she was at this time in Seattle, and at the beginning in the University of Washington. And at the beginning, I was like, no, sure, because I wanted to do tropical ecology. You know, I was, I come from the tropics. I wanted to work in the tropics, continue to work in the tropics, even that I work in other places. But... So I was a little bit hesitant at the beginning because I considered like we were too far north. And then I went, you know, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do as a tropical person there. But it actually ended up being such an incredible opportunity for me, in, um, especially for my conservation biology training. I got to interact with a great advisor and mentor and friend and then also great faculty and um, some women that were very inspirational, very strong uh, scientist, you know, Dee Borsman, uh, Martha Groom, which is my advisor, uh, Barbara Wakimoto, Billy Suala, people in the biology department that they were, you know, really um, 
solid in their personalities and in their research too, and very inspirational people. So I was really happy. And here we are, like, you know, 18 years later, I'm still here. And so how did you become interested in sustainability and conservation? And how did you sort of work that into your interest in biology? Yeah. So I guess, again, you know, once you get appreciation for all this um, natural environments and organisms, you want to know more about them, but at the same time, um, and you'll learn a lot. I mean, not, not that we know everything, but, you know, over time you get to understand a lot of processes and a lot of connections and a lot of relationships among uh, natural and physical processes and chemical processes and how everything is, you know, even that it sounds cliche sometimes, but it, how everything is connected, right? The cl climate depends obviously on a lot of physical processes, but also in a lot of... Uh, uh, ecosystem activity and uh, dynamics and you know and if you look at the chemistry of soil and all so anyway a lot of things are very interrelated and then uh, the role of humans right once you start learning about the role of humans and how how um, pervasive our activities could be even though we've done a lot of th good things for nature too but um, unfortunately our species as a species has that's sad it has a, a lot of a very negative impact. So it's a very, um, you know, once you start learning about that, it's very powerful. And it just makes you first, it could cause a lot of despair and overwhelm, feel overwhelming feelings. But at the same time, you feel like, okay, you know, I need to do something. So um, it was part of that and part of like, you know, influence of, of a good friend who was along the same, we were about the same age. And, you know, when you're, 20 early 20 you have all this passion to just change the world and do everything and i think that's fantastic because you're so energized by everything and then you can be a rebel you can be just you know just do be really strong and that's what is so important the role of, of young people in in this um in this kind of a field so in any case that that helped me a lot that energy but at the same time with the time you know over as time was passing on I started to understand more the role of humans in a much more synergistic way in which, I mean, there's a lot of negative impacts, but a lot, at the same time, a lot of the possible solutions for those problems rely on humans. So if you don't work with humans, because at the beginning I was saying, ah, I just want to be in the middle of the rainforest and just be with the animals in the forest and then who cares about the rest? But that's not what the real world is, right? So you need to work with humans. So. Uh, working with uh, people in, in one of my first experiences, was, it was just by seeing how people will do. Was I lived in Costa Rica for a while, and I live in a very um, like conservation-oriented community in Monteverde and San Luis, a mix of like you know Costa Rican people and and people from the U.S. And it was like a really nice model for how people could live in a lot of connection with the environment and, and in a very harmonious way and then also protect forests and all. So that was very inspirational and I was thinking, well, maybe one day I'll do something like that in Peru. But at the same time, I feel like with more responsibility to first do more things on my own and then also start, um, you know, the knowledge you have, once you get to know more and you have to, you have the ways to learn and you understand the processes, you also have an, ob an obligation to teach about that. So that's how my teaching is start moving into that direction to giving up students opportunities to, to have the experiences that connect you with nature, to appreciate nature, and then to understand the processes and then bring that natural 
um, component into the classroom. So I try in different ways using my own experience to bring, you know, pictures or things from when I was in the field. But then also it, it, it came that I started out working on doing field trips and, and uh, study abroad programs who allow me to take a stu students to Peru and to the field in general here and in, in Peru. And, and that inspired me even more to see, you know, kind of, I could see myself sometimes reflected in my students when I was my, in those 20 early years, or, you know, even younger, like that fascination and curiosity. And I thought like, well, you know, this is what I really want to work with. Um, also some other experiences just before coming to, to um, Seattle, I work in Panama and I work with uh, Birds of Prey and I work as a director of conservation education in, um, in, uh, for Birds of Prey, especially for harp eagles, which are the largest raptors in, in the tropics of, in the, um, you know, the neotropics, so the tropics of the Americas. And at that time, it was my very first time, and that was in 2000, yeah, 2000 through 2012, too. Um, it was my very first time working actually in a much more social context, working with communities, working with people who would be actually not necessarily people who have, you know, a lot of resources, but they're actually impacted by a lot of activities of conservation, but at the same time also like use of resources. So working with this program gave me the opportunity to work with people and I understood at that time much better the crucial role that humans have in both, you know, modifying negatively, but also that you can cause changes and then you can promote, um, you know, different, different uh, strategies working together to, um, to protect the environment. So it was a very satisfying experience. First, it was an incredible learning experience for me to work with people in communities and walk through like a small different towns and work with different like stakeholders from researchers to politicians. I was in the Congress one time in Panama with a bird of prey in there. We actually were very important for them, the, this, this harp eagle, this conservation icon in, in, in the tropics to be recognized legally protected in Panama. So that was all really important. And that just also gave me much more power. I mean, it empowered me to feel like, okay, we can cause, we can actually make some changes. So going into grad school, it was just kind of a much more, and you know, especially for my PhD, it was just much more like a natural path that bring in a little bit of my experiences, both in research and the communication and the education and the work with the communities that I will really wanted to do more research, but incorporate more aspects of conservation. And then at the same time, as I, you know, if you're in that world and you're not doing any, you're expecting others to do changes, but you're not doing the changes, how can you feel like you're committed in a real way, right? You know, we can always talk, oh yeah, drive less, do this, do that. But if you're not the one who's doing those changes, because they're not easy to come out away from a kind of a standard lifestyle and just making some changes towards sustainability, right? Mm -hmm. Even that should be easy because that's how it was, like just only 50 or 100 years ago. It was normal, right? It was, it's nothing new. That's how it was before we start changing it. But it, 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 I thought that it was, it, it really needs to be a commitment on my own personal lifestyle. And little by little with the help of, you know, family and friends, in particular my friend Fiona, I always mention her because she was very, 
very um you know fundamental for me as a as a friend as a colleague and someone with the same energy and curiosity but also with a lot of commitment to to um to create changes so that was a very inspirational and yeah so once you know you start doing it it just start turning into a normal thing and it's just kind of a natural path that you want to try to get more people in it you really emphasize that it's important to be working interacting with humans and especially um, younger people yeah and so I kind of want to learn a little bit more about your sustainability on a student budget class that you teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that class was inspired um, for many reasons. First, it was kind of a, it's a fun way to, you know, approach life and just doing some changes to your life that are consistent with what you talk, with what you teach and all that. And then, um, and I was doing some little things in my classes for my students and either if it was in the classroom or when we will go in field trips, right? We will just plan different things in a way that will reduce our, our uh, impact. And then the students will do exercises and all. And I'll just do a few other things, discussions. And it was always the, with the students who, who like to do those things, but they always, it was, it was difficult. And in many cases, you know, when we will talk about, yeah, bring, buying, for example, you use your your cho your choices on food need to be sustainable and try to be consistent with environmental protection and all but usually those items are pretty expensive <laughs> right and it's kind of a trend because i to, to be honest i, I mean there's certain things i understand about subsidies for agriculture and all that and, but other things i don't understand why we don't move into a much more sustainable practices and that would be the priority but in any case the point is that you know yes if you want to be sustainable for many reasons uh when you look at you know 10 things to do for the environment how many of those things can actually be done by student when you don't have the budget when you don't have the money i mean even myself sometimes i cannot afford to you know buy an electric car or something you know so and also it's not the point is to how to be resourceful in a, with a much lower impact, right? So conversations with the students, they were always like, oh, you know, I will teach them to do like little crafts or, you know, making yogurt at home and, or making your own bags and don't use plastic, let's use this. And they said, well, you should teach a class. You should teach a class about this. So I did some workshops with my students, like informal, sometimes even at my house, we'll kind of get together after, after a trip, a field trip, and we'll do some, you know, project like make your own compost uh, pile or make you know your own bag or whatever uh, projects they were just interesting so they were saying well, teach a class like this and then um in the Baffle, which is my main association and uh there is this first year program which and also in general our campus the interdisciplinary arts and science program is it, it gave us uh, to a lot of instructors give us a lot of opportunities to be very creative with classes and just kind of taking this taking the students and also the topics a little bit away to the standard right we can just learn in a very formal standard way or we can just find creative ways to learn so i applied for one of those opportunities to teach a class that it will show um, students how to you know look at data for example and do data analysis but then in the in the process being looking at different you know strategies to reduce um your ecological footprint so this class uh, i give it an on a winter and uh and you know it was just an interesting thing to like for example assess your impact on transportation right 
and you can just do any of those ecological footprint tests and just see what you are. But then, I mean, it's like how many students need to drive? How many students live on the campus? And, and then so every student is start tracking first what was their impact along the quarter or along the month, like by driving and just starting to calculate, you know, how many gallons of gas do you use uh, to come to school? How many gallons are per month? How much do you spend doing that? And then make comparisons with other alternatives. And then obviously there will be some compromises. You know, you may want to drive and you're spending like, you know, sometimes if you don't do the accounting and that was kind of a little bit the data analysis component, you sometimes don't think about it that you may have been spending $600 per quarter in, um, you know, I mean, I'm giving you an example. I don't have the actual, the, the students did uh, the actual calculations, right? But if I tell you, okay, you have spent $600 driving, maintenance in your car or something during the quarter, and you're like, wow, that's $600. And you could have spent maybe just, you know, $100 with your UPAS by doing all the transportation with um, by bus, right? And then the students need to do a look at and make an analysis of a trade-off. It's like, okay, why well, you do it, you bus, but what are the compromises, right? You will need, for example, myself, I couldn't do it. I live in Seattle, I teach and I work at UW Bethel and it will take me, because I was trying to do my whole bus route, it will take me two hours to get to school. And if I have, by doing, I needed to take three, three lines and if I needed to do that combination, I will need two, two hours in the morning, two hours on the back. So I have four hours and doing all this transportation business. And if I class at 8.40 a.m., then it's really hard to do that, right? So the students will do that kind of analysis too. So that was one example Then we did, um, you know, for example, we talk about plastic, plastic production and the impacts that plastic has from everywhere, from like, you know, your roof or from the things that you use and, and you may be putting even in recycling or putting in the garbage properly, but then ended up in the ocean no matter what, right? Depending where you are. So they still need to calculate. And that's the thing is that it was not just like, okay, don't use plastic. They needed to do a research project associated to one particular aspect of their life associated to plastic use and then track that along the entire quarter to see what was the amount that they will produce either if it was in in a you know volume or number of containers or whatever what was the process that it will take for that plastic to be processed if it makes sense um, to be processed, to be, you know, recycled or whatever it is, how much energy was involved in that, what was the cost, and then compare it to, like, what if you, instead of buying, you know, your food in containers every day for lunch, then start making lunch at home and bring in an ever-usable container. How many plastic would you be avoiding? What was the cost of that? How much it will cost you the food compared to the price that it was uh, of a packaged food and also some of the impacts on your health. So that was how we analyzed it. And then there was a lot of things that were interesting. We talk about recipes. We talk about some like certain kind of uh, ingredients that it would be uh, easy, locally grown, or like, you know, sustainably harvesting even other places, but with like practices that are providing, you know, some good incentives for farmers to, to have um, sustainable practices. And we even did, um, we did a, for Earth, Earth Day, we did a little display of our different projects and also um, 
uh, that students wrote some blogs and, you know, stories about their projects. And it was just, you know, a way, a fun way to learn that you could see that they could afford certain things if you make the analysis. And then obviously there's some trade-offs, right? Uh, but um, there were options, there are choices that you can make that could be actually good for you and good for the environment and it can save you money and time. So that was um, what that class was and I'm hoping that I can teach it again soon. <laughs> yeah. So were there some tips or advice that you gave during that class that students at home can do right now? Yeah, so that was part of the one of the things that we do. We'll plan, um, we'll do like, we did some economic, economical planning of like budgeting, for example, for food and trying to make um, the kind of things that you like, right? And see how, why are we like all the different products that you and the students normally buy. And then sometimes you don't know that by buying a lot of those things, actually you're spending a lot of money. You're paying a lot of things. You're paying for containers. You're paying for a lot of other things that you don't, really realize when you and you're even paying from like waste to be produced rather than paying for the actual reward for yourself like good quality food good quality products you know last long products so so you know some of the aspects that the students uh, could analyze about their own life uh, and see what are, what are the kind of things that we're like willing to commit and compromise and analyze what they were winning for that. So either if it was like money-wise, satisfaction, health improvement, you know, and just like some people just kind of like it to just do things like that. So it was very important for students to first not just um, just blindly go and say, okay, it's better plastic than fabric, you know. No, I mean, the point was to they want to be a very important tip for the students and I do it for everybody is that, yes, we can have a topic of discussion. I can provide some materials for you to look at, but do more research yourself and then look at the right, uh, and, the, and then look at the, the, you know, the accurate science, look at the good science. Don't just go by the trends, like because everybody, and you know how, how communication and media is, I mean, it's fantastic now. We have a lot of access, but at the same time, it's really dangerous. You just need one wrong idea to spread among a, a critical number of individuals and it goes viral, it's, it makes so much damage. So learning to assess information critically, that was, it's one of my goals, I was in all my classes, but that was something else that I was telling my students as a recommendation. I can give you some ideas, take them, you know, yes, take the good signs, but do more research on your own using the skills you learn to assess information, to verify the information, and then make decisions about it. Why do you think it's important to teach these habits and lifestyle to students right now? So I think, you know, we are living really unprecedented times in when it comes to changes in, in society, obviously, but also in changes in our own, um, you know, system, living system, the, the, the system that supports us, right? So for a long time, when you talk about nature, I mean, not anymore, fortunately, because there are more people who are doing it. But for a long time, if, um, you know, and it has carried from, you know, the time of the, the hippies, the 70s and all. 
that just the idea that people who will be talking of the environment they're your hippie dreamer tree hugger you know and then there's some people and I actually i love trees so yeah sure fine i'm a tree hugger but the point is that we are living a time in which it is really important for us to realize the role that nature has in our own survival so many people say oh i do this because i want to help the environment and to be honest it's not that we're helping it's where i with the environment because when you look at natural systems, systems are resilient, and it may be like, you know, that would take decades, or will take millennia, will just change. That ecosystems have changed for many reasons. And they could do totally, you know, in the long term, in the long scale of time, they could do fine. Um, but the problem is that we don't realize that by damaging the environment and damaging the ecosystems, the water, the air, affecting a species is that we are we are affecting the system that supports our life we tend to separate you know if i'm a lawyer you know i do law and i do other things i mean nature is for a hobby right if i'm an economist i'm like just interested in doing you know wealth like generate development and all that and well if the environment is in there is putting a, a block to it then it's going to be a problem right so the idea that people, not only biologists, but a lot of people understand the crucial role that nature has in sustaining our life and the life in the planet. I mean, we cannot breathe if it wouldn't be for plants. We couldn't be alive if it wouldn't be for, you know, like certain foods that we get from the environment. I mean, from the soil and the organisms. So what is the moment that we broke that connection that is so dangerous that it has created a separation between humans and the environment. And, and it creates this that as a kind of a confrontation. Well, you care more about humans or the environment, you know? And it's not that. It's pretty much we are embedded on that. And we are so, so dependent on healthy ecosystems. So if we don't understand that, that's not gonna be good for humans. That's not gonna be good for society. That's not gonna be good for you know, our own species. And, it, and, you know, and in the process, we're carrying other species out in really, really critical situations, which many species will go extinct on their own. But at the same time, right now, we are the main drivers, human societies, and not the only one because they're natural causes too. But we are the main drivers of a lot of changes in our planet that is causing species extinction that is causing uh, you know contributing to climate change contributor with a lot of changes in ecosystem that are very detrimental for the ecosystems for the species and for us so if we don't understand that connection to me it's so vital right so vital to understand that regardless of where you are in your life what kind of role do you have in society you have to understand that uh, if you're an economist and then we're going to be losing soil, I mean, let's say if you are an economy in transportation, right? And then we're going to start having a lot of problems with like either hurricanes or tornadoes or just different atmospheric you know, pr uh, disasters, right? That are somehow highly enhanced by human activity. The economy is going to suffer. Right. If you are, if we are in the food industry, and we are polluting the water, we are making everything to, you know, 
to destroy soils, to destroy habitats, to destroy like biodiversity that helps plants to grow, then food scarcity is going to happen. We're going to have a lot of people losing money, right? And then we're going to have a lot of people going into famine. So those are not to scare people, but it's just little consequences. I mean, there are big consequences of like this problem. And if we don't understand that, that even like right now, right, the COVID, thing, the COVID um, crisis, that is associated to uh, a lot of like wildlife, um, wildlife connections with humans, right? And if we don't understand that and we're not able to protect more species, to do that, we have an incredible reservoir of potential other diseases that can come uh, to humans. So we need to understand how our systems work in order to survive and have like good quality lives. And that's crucial for everybody, even if you're a tree hugger or if you're a lawyer. So that's so important for students to learn. I'm wondering if there's anything in particular that you'd really like to talk about that you haven't talked about yet during this interview. I think like, you know, the role of people from all different parts of, of life is very important. The role of young people and then the, the role of like, I mean, everybody who is willing to make a compromise that eventually actually gives you a better quality of life. It's just so important. And the thing is, it's important to be, to self-educate. It's important to look at the signs, to guide decisions um, about your future that could be associated to science, you know? And it's so important to understand that. It's not that people are opposing you to, you know, to build wealth or something. No, it's just how important it is for us to have a healthy life. And sometimes if we don't, you know, protect uh, the Puget Sound, right? Think about it, the Pu think about the Puget Sound. All of the different reaches, that the Puget Sound has and how much in peril the Puget Sound it is. Pollution, climate change. We have a lot, you know, ocean acidification. We have a lot of problems with like populations, either by overexploitation, uh, by you know, ex um, just invasive species, by losing habitat, by having farming of fish and all that. That is not well done it is not done in a way that can actually maintain an ecosystem what's going to happen with our region we are already losing iconic species that are iconic not only for the cultural value that it has for our current society and the native americans like orca whales salmon chinook salmon right that's happening but also imagine how much in the economy those those species contribute to our to our region right Chinooks, I mean, salmon, it's a huge aspect of our economy, of our identity, again, in the modern and in the past societies, uh, our diets, right? And orca whales are iconic. They bring a lot of money for ecotourism too, right? And so if we don't cr create that, con you know, conscious decisions, and, and also especially like learn about it, and not just think that because we're looking for a protection, it means that we're against humans. That is a, that is a very important um, aspect to always emphasize that, you know, looking for, I mean, looking for protection of ecosystems ultimately benefit humans more than humans imagine. 
and and that's something that you know is very important to to understand it's not a it's not a confrontation it's not political i mean it, it's so obvious you know and now a lot of things i mean with the, with the, the times that we're they were living everything becomes such a contentious you know topic to talk because it's political to talk about environment or you know about water or something it's like it's so ironic that it's it's about our survival so that is what i always try to emphasize is that you know let's look at the environment as something that we are part of it that we actually even if you just do little to not disturb it's so beneficial for us a lot of people want to do things for the environment i sometimes say just don't do anything <laughs> just leave it alone is better because you know and just well let's let's take care of it i mean not to, to discourage obviously people to do good actions but what i refer sometimes is that is if we will be respecting more our water our soils our species the places that we live we'll have a much better relationship with what it gives life and what it what we depend on it so I mean, it's so critical, our dependence from, from healthy ecosystems. So if we could understand that, that would be so, you know, that would be kind of my message. I'm always saying, you know, our commitment is with the source of life for us. It's not that we're making any favor to, to the planet. It's just, we are so dependent on that. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Well, not just thank you, uh, you and the sustainability office. I'm so uh, happy that our institution puts a lot of effort and, you know, it gives a lot of, um, it, it gives a lot of support to this kind of initiatives to work in sustainability. And I know there's more than we can do, but definitely it's so good to have, uh, to have a division in our, in our university that promotes sustainability, that it has that mindset as an institution. And then again, that it's working and doing better better choices using science, using that as now part of, I mean, using sustainability as part of the curriculum is so great, right? Not a lot of schools will do. Um, so it is just very important also to have that uh, framework of, that network of support and um, that allow us uh, scientists and educators and students and faculty, I mean, everybody, staff you know, to, to leave that culture and that's very important. So yeah, that's another, Thing that I'm really happy that I, I work here. Thank you. Have a nice okay. day. Okay, you too. Bye bye.